Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in here in Mississippi, WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also tuning in through our online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could be with us as well. Well, we're wrapping up the year 2022 with one of my favorite things, that is books, by an author who's making his first appearance on our broadcast this year. We're excited to welcome Douglas Bauer to our broadcast He's written a book called The Beckoning World. We're going to talk to Douglas not only about his love of historical fiction, but also what it's like to create the world in the beckoning world, the characters that we're able to meet, and, of course, what it's been like for him to hear from readers as well. If you all are just now finding out about the book, we'll let you know how to be able to get your own copy of it. But, Douglas, thank you so much for the time today. really appreciate it. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Douglas, I think the great thing is about books is that, you know, I, the thing I've always loved, even as a child, about reading is that they're able to take you up and out of your own world. You've been able to create this world in your book, um, of course, with some historical references as well. What has it been like for you to see the response to it? Um, it's been wonderful, of course. And uh, to your to your point, Cyrus, um, you know, because people see it as historical, I think they they sort of gravitate to their own notions about history and what it means mm-hmm. to be uh, immersed in a previous world. Um, and everybody has a kind of litmus test as to how they fit within it, I think. So uh, maybe yeah. a little bit different from a contemporary, uh, you know, contemporary setting where we tend right. to have a, a, a common understanding of, of, of it in general, if not specifically. Right, exactly. Well, that begs an, an interesting question then, uh, Douglas. Have you always been a fan of history? I have. I have. Uh, it was probably my favorite subject uh, in high school as an un- and as an undergraduate. Um, and in writing uh, about a previous time, I find that uh, I like the escape, to be candid, from uh, the contemporary world to immerse myself and my imagination in an alternative world that I can inhabit almost as a, you know, as a way of, uh, of, of, of going away from those parts of contemporary life that uh, are hard to, hard to navigate. Right. You know, Douglas, one of the things I thought about when I was reading the beckoning world and thinking about this chat with you is, um, I'm, I'm 47 myself, and one of the things that I hear a lot is individuals older than myself will say, you know, things were simpler. Life was, you know, it, you know, we may have had our challenges, but things were easy. I think about the world that you kind of put early in, <laughs> and I think he would beg to differ about the simplicity <laughs> of, of the world. Um, but I, definitely, he, he, yeah, he found his way to deal with the complications. What was that like for you to play with that of? Yes, it was a different time, but it definitely had its own issues. Yeah, well, you you really hit on a wonderful point, I think. Uh, people who have read it uh, sort of instinctively say, oh, it was a simpler time. You know, there, were, there was less to have to uh, work your way through in daily life. Mm-hmm. And as you say, I, I, I think Earl would take uh, exception to that entirely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his life was anything but simple, and um, he had several 
things that were competing for his attention, including his yeah. aspirations to be a baseball player and his just uh-huh. relentless love for uh, for Emily, who's the, uh, the female yeah. character in the book. Um, so, right. yeah, I, I, I don't see it as simpler at all. Um, just yeah. harder demands, maybe fewer, right. but uh, complex in their own ways, I think. Exactly, exactly. I think that's it. And, and I think, you know, for so many people, uh, as they're reading this book, and, it, and I'm glad you mentioned that about baseball because, I mean, of course, there are some notables that make appearances here, um, and one of those, of course, being Babe Ruth. I love the fact, too, that even as we're kind of thinking about the journey that you take Earl on, again, it is so relatable, Douglas. That is what is so fascinating to me about the book because I think we all, well, most of us, maybe I'll say most of us, have had aspirations about what we'd like to do or how we see ourselves, right? And even when people laughed at us, like they laughed at Earl, um, you know, to think that, you know what, we're at least going to try. Talk to us about that. What was that like for you to kind of give him that ability to want to try at, at baseball, want to try at love, even when it wasn't easy? Um, well put, very well put. And I think in Earl's case, I mean, it was more than an aspiration. Well, it was an aspiration, of course, to start. But there was also evidence along the way, as you know from reading the book, that uh, he wasn't uh, he wasn't really just uh, a fool in his in his dream. Yeah. That he had he had real talent. And the the big question in the book for me was, what would have happened if he'd chosen that path to continue to try, mm. to continue to strive uh, in that direction, which was his initial direction, his initial uh, love, um, and what would have happened? And I have to say, I have no idea <laughs> what would have happened yeah. to Earl, because the, my imagination only took him to the point where it did. And all I can say about him is that he had these really competing loves, one for a, for a, a, a calling and one for a, a romantic love. And they were yeah. absolutely uh, uh, competing with each other throughout his life. Exactly. And, and you brought up Emily. That relationship through the years as you're able to talk about – well, first of all, I have to ask you, talking about the time span, how challenging was that? Or was that part of the fun of this, to kind of have their storyline evolve over the years and then to kind of keep it all, keep it all straight for yourself, Douglas, as you were, as you were developing it? Well, I, I always, when I, when I write a, a novel, I always start with a kind of timeline, which I have on my bulletin board looking at it in front of me all, every day, from point A to point Z in the story. And, of course, that timeline is subject to change depending on what happens along the way. But, it, but as long as I have just this loose notion of, of the calendar, of the chronology of the story, um, that's really all I need. And I feel I can feel free to kind of bounce back and forth and, you know, go from one back to an earlier year and then forward again. And I, I, I love playing with that, to use your word. I love playing mm-hmm. with the way the chronology kind of unfolds. And it's something that definitely – it makes the book flow in a way, again, that we feel as though, for one, we're building this connection – with Earl, Emily, and the other characters, because there are other characters that we meet, Douglas, but also that we're able to see how, as events in the world change, how it changes our perspective, as well mm-hmm. as our ability. So I want to talk about that, because 
again, because it is a, you know, and I'm using the phrase historical uh, fiction. You didn't say that I, <laughs> I said it, but I, mean, I, I say that because, of course, because it does kind of take us backwards um, to, to a time. What was that like for you to have the outside elements, Douglas, that these characters were having to contend with? Yes, they had their own things to deal with for themselves, but was it like for you to have the events of the world kind of playing a yeah. part in their life? Well, it's, it's, it's another great question. And um, what, what I think is that, you know, I, I really don't think of it as, um, as historical, quote, unquote, um, because the characters, they don't think of themselves as historical right. characters. They think of themselves yeah. as living in the moment. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think I try to think of it in that same way. I'm not merely observing the world and the characters in it from a distance of 50 years later. If I were doing that, there would be this distance between me and between the world I'm trying to uh, inhabit. And uh, I think that distance would, would, would uh, really kill the, uh, the energy, if you will. Mm. Uh, So I, 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 you know, I love the idea of being able to use historical events like the Spanish flu, which plays a big role, like the historical figures of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. But they, as I say, I don't think anybody who's in the world that I'm writing about thinks of what's going on there as, as historical. They, they think of it as what's right in front of them. Right. Right. So, okay. So that, that begs, that begs another another question for me, Douglas. How did you decide? How did you decide where you wanted to create this world? Well, actually, I, I kind of came in in a roundabout way. I've always been um, uh, interested in history, and I have had lifelong love for sports and baseball in particular. And I wrote mm. an article in the New York Times uh, that described Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig taking this barnstorming tour across the country via railroad in 1927. And they stopped at all these little towns along the way and played exhibition games. And that just struck me as an extraordinary notion that imagine if you were living in a, you know, in Sioux city, Iowa, in the middle of the country in 1927 and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig came to town to play a baseball game. What would be the impact on you uh, as a as a as a witness or a, a spectator to all of that? And it was that impact which really really intrigued me. Um, Gary, yes, Ruth, yes, of course, but even more the, the those that they had the impact on, and that's how I came yeah. to write about it. Uh, and with Earl as the main the main character who feels that impact. Did you feel like when you were kind of building Earl, did you feel that there are parts of yourself that you were including with him? You know, in in no way I can particularly identify or trace. Um, I sometimes, after I've finished a book, I will look then from the perspective of having finished it. And I would say, oh, yeah, I see where that came from. And, and gotcha. that's arguably an, a, a facet of my own personality. But I think if I were conscious of that while I was writing, 
um, it would just gum up the works. It just wouldn't, you know, mm. it just wouldn't work. Um, so it needs to be kind of as if it's only particular to my character. And then later on, I can kind of see, oh, well, that's, maybe that's where it came from. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, one of the things that made me think to ask you that question, Douglas, was it seems as though Earl is not someone who easily gives up. Um, he, he seems to, he seems to, even if he has to found another way, he seems like someone who, once he kind of sets his mind to something, um, that he's going to, to at least try. Um, unfortunately, we don't live in a world where everyone does that. <laughs> you know, they, they allow outside forces to tell them what they can and cannot do. I don't see Earl that way. Is that something that you kind of see yourself in that aspect? I suppose I do plead guilty to that. Um, first of all, I think, you know, uh, not, that I, not that it's unique to the work of writing, but you cannot easily surrender <laughs> as a writer <Yeah. laughs> because you're faced with a lot of challenges along the way. And I know I don't speak, you know, uh, exclusively about what I do for a living, right. but I do think it's in, I do think it's inherent in uh in, in being a writer, that you kind of persist. There's a doggedness to it. And I would say Earl is a kind of dogged character, yes. Earl is also someone who adapts. You know, even if things kind of shift under his feet, he's, he's, he finds himself able to, uh, to modify and, and sort of redefine his own aspirations um, as, as the world around him. Uh, changes and so one of the things I like most about Earl is that that ability to adapt that uh, serves him well over the course of his story I think was it for you when you were writing uh, the the beckoning world I want to say for those who are just tuning in is on the radio side or online you're listening to conversations live I'm speaking today with Douglas Bauer his new book is called the beckoning world we're going to remind you I can get your own copy of it. But I was curious, Douglas, when you were writing um, The Beckoning World, were there things that even though you had had this outline, so to speak, um, were there things that surprised you in the direction they went in? Oh, absolutely. Um, And, you know, I think for me, I would be worried if that didn't happen uh, as Uh as I'm writing along the way, that if I were so rigidly uh, just committed and didn't let my imagination kind of say, wait a minute, uh, I think it would work better if this happened rather than what you think you should have had happen. Uh, I I just think, you you know, if your imagination is working there, it's always subject uh, to changes of direction. And then, of course, the question is, do I want to go in that new direction or do I want to stay with what I have? Um, But it's alive. It's alive. And that's very exciting. So, Yes, to a simple answer to your question, uh, many things changed um, as I was writing it. Um, not least, um, you know, the, the, the fate, uh, the ultimate fate, and I don't, I don't want to uh, give too many spoilers, but uh, the ultimate fate of Earl himself um, mm-hmm. was, was kind of re- not so much changed as, as, as solidified along the way. Got it. Got it. Well, I, tell you, I think, you know, what is what makes the book also so good, Douglas, is that 
um, you're not afraid to put the main characters in challenging situations. Because, again, I think that's part of the connection that I mentioned earlier in that, you know, we, I mean, life is not, I mean, it, it's not all, all pretty. You know, it, it, everything right. is not, um, you know, something that, that we look forward to or would want to happen. But I think what Earl shows, again, you know, even knowing it's fiction, what Earl shows is that being able to make peace with it, too. I think that's the other thing. You know, it kind of goes to the serenity prayer, I think, in some respects, right? I mean, he's able to change what he can that's in his ability to and, and you know, and not allow himself to be consumed with what he can't. Um, so I want to ask you about the response then. I mean, as the book is now out in the world, I mean, talk to us about what this experience has been like compared to, I mean, what you may have thought when you were writing the book. As I was writing the book, I, I, you know, what I think I had most in mind and needed to keep in mind was kind of um, what I wanted it to be. And then once it's in the world, you really, as the as the writer of it, you don't have any, you don't have any control over it any longer, mm. and it's subject to um, who, you know, to the interpretations and the reactions of whoever reads it, and. You have to, I've learned over the years to, uh, at least a little bit, to kind of let go of that sense of, of being the author of the book once the book is out in the world. It's now the readers yeah. who are the authors. But the, the, the thing that I've most been satisfied with, I guess I would say, is uh, I've had several people who've read the book say they like Earl because he's not a victim. And mm, Earl goes through yeah. some really challenging uh, episodes along the way, but I I really didn't want to him to be seen as a victim, and I'm I'm most glad that people seem to see it the same way, that as I say he yeah. adapts, he survives, he, he he he. You said something a few minutes ago about him coming to terms with and being at peace with uh, his life as it changes, and I think that's. The, the most admirable part of Earl for me is that he, he, he can do that. I totally agree. Totally agree. I love that. Douglas, what a great conversation. Again, everyone, Douglas Bauer has been our guest. The Beckoning World is a new book. It's out now through our friends at Amazon.com, published by University of Iowa Press. You all can, of course, get it from their website as well. Um, Douglas, I appreciate you stopping by the broadcast and sharing your book with us. How can our audience stay connected with you? Well, I have a website, uh, which is just my name, Douglas Bauer, B-A-U-E-R, dot com. And uh, the website uh, has uh, all my books. Uh, you just click on the cover, and it will uh, give you uh, an excerpt of, of, of this book and all my other books. And uh, you can order it uh, via that website as well. So all the usual suspects are... <laughs> are such that you can uh, you can get the book that way. All right. Well, Douglas, congratulations again. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and looking forward to having you on the broadcast again. I look forward to it as well. It's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Hey, more than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let us go make today amazing. Take care.